All right, Rob, I wanted to talk to you today about the indie web and the fact that it seems to be having a moment. And I feel like this is like one part Mastodon, two parts general dissatisfaction with centralized technology. I don't even, I'm not really sure where this is coming from. And maybe I'm only noticing it because of things like Mastodon and ActivityPub. But it feels like blogging is like, cool again and owning your own tech stack is cool again and to me that never went away but i I continue to see articles too like rss it's really good Mm. like yeah tell me about it i've been (laughs) doing it for 20 years or whatever Uh, yeah i mean you're totally right i think i think at least this this resurgence and i will say straight off you're absolutely right like you know, I've had a blog for however long, 10, 12 years, right. you know, we've all been a bunch, it was certainly in our little circle, we've been using RSS and all of these things for a long time. But th- I feel like what happened was like Twitter imploded. Everybody moved to Mastodon and to some extent Blue Sky, yeah. plus all of the other flavors of ActivityPub, um, you know, software that there is. And then people were like, hang on a minute, like there's there's no algorithm. Like, how do I find things? It's like, oh no, you actually have to put some effort in and like share interesting things you find, and then people will do the same thing. And it just it feels like the sort of the last three to six months, like I'm seeing a lot more people, even people, you know, like me who've had a blog for a long time or a website, are like, oh no, I should actually just start writing things there instead of dumping it into the ether that is Twitter or Facebook or right you know, wherever else people are dumping this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, it's curation as opposed to being shovel-fed algorithmic stuff that, you know, your clicks and your scrolling speed dictates get sent to you. And I think that's pretty interesting. And I've already seen like, and I do want to talk about threads because I think threads is a very interesting example since they've said that they're going to adopt activity pub and they are making some moves in that direction already. And I think they actually will do it, but you probably saw over the holidays that the timeline on activity on threads got pretty bad for a lot of people. And I think that that is probably do as much to a poorly designed algorithm as it is to an influx of bad accounts. I mean, I it's just my hunch, but I, I think that a lot of times people give algorithms more credit than they're worth. You, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're on Instagram and you, sl- and you slow down your scrolling when you go buy an ad for a backpack, chances are you're going to start seeing a lot more ads for a backpack. And I feel like the same thing happens when you see something that you that you don't like or that offends you in some way, right? Oh, absolutely. And I don't think that the algorithms, they aren't telling you that, oh, you like that, therefore you should see more of it. I think all, I, I don't think that they know one, one thing from the other, right? That, that, oh, I'm shopping for a backpack and, oh, I just came across a post about Nazis that, that – that has shocked me and and that's why I stopped scrolling. And I think that, and that's not like to say it's like the fault of the people doing the scrolling. I mean, you know, you, you, you react the way you react to those things. And and I think though that the algorithm picks those, th- those reactions up, even if they're just like subtle reactions. 
and oh, absolutely, right? and then and then feeds you more of it, especially if you're someone who, when they're outraged by something, responds to it. I think that that's kind of like it's it's you know it's it's just another version of feeding the trolls. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, at, at their core, like most of these, you know, quote unquote algorithms, whatever you want to call it, like they're they're focused on like one of you know one of maybe like a handful of things like you know for youtube you have to assume it's probably watch time because the more you watch the more ads that can show you right for threads my assumption is you know they want you as you say they want you to reply to it or they want you to boost it so that more people see and and as you say it doesn't have to be a nice post it it could be something that's made you absolutely furious could be the worst thing you've ever seen in your life but as far as the algorithm's concerned, oh yeah, you were really into this post, whether you liked it or right, not. It's all engagement, which is neither good nor bad. It's just a thing. It's just like the the amount of time you're, you know, the amount of attention they can draw from you from a certain post, whether it's it's a one you should be seeing or you want to see or not. But oh, absolutely, and that's not to that's not to forgive them for not moderating it well enough. No, you know, no, not at all. Some of the stuff that was, right. you know, some of the stuff that was going past just before Christmas was was pretty bad. Yeah, it was. Um, and it's still pretty bad. And I think that they, I mean, I think that they, they sort of acknowledged it. I don't think that they, the response was probably as strong as it could have been in terms of mm-hmm. communicating the response and what they were going to do to the people using the site as opposed to, you know, maybe there, maybe there's engineers doing stuff that's really dramatic and going to change it. Uh, I don't know, but they haven't communicated it particularly well. But you're right. I think that, you know, things like Activity Pub and in particular Mastodon and Blue Sky to an extent, they they allow people to share stuff without kind of having stuff forced on them, which is pretty nice. I mean, I, I personally, I'm like kind of on, I'm kind of like in the middle ground. I actually like both to a degree. I get... I get very tired of the algorithms, but I also know that I, you know, because I follow like on Instagram, for instance, I follow a bunch of retro video game accounts and some travel accounts and some food accounts. If I go to that algorithmic timeline, I see some stuff that I just think is kind of cool, even though they're not people I follow and probably people aren't, I'm I'm not going to follow, but here and there on, you know, gaming news and stuff. But, you know, I, I see the bad, the, the good comes with the bad too, which is not, which is not ideal. But as a result, I, I, I like the fact that I can kind of flip back and forth. I do wish that threads gave you more of an ability to set, set a default and not change it on you unless you, you know, affirmatively switch, which right now it does switch on you, I think. Um, certainly does on the web i think it does on in the app too yeah and, and i think one of the other th- well to, to what we were saying about algorithms i think there's certainly i mean people like me like when i open threads now or even instagram for that matter and i'm being shown stuff that is from you know not not adverts i can live with that that's whatever right. but when i'm being shown stuff from other accounts that i don't follow and i've got no context for you know why i'm being shown this or like you know, maybe I'm being shown a, a post that's like three into an actual, you know, a, a three post thread or something like right, that. Right. I have got so used to only seeing things that I have explicitly asked to see that I don't want that anymore. And, and I totally get to your point that yes, th- th- it can be good. Like when it shows you the, the, the Instagram seems to be particularly good at this and it always has been. When it shows you the stuff that you're really interested in, it's fantastic. But when it's just showing you 
what feels like random stuff it kind of feels a bit exhausting to go through your feed and it's like yeah. oh here's, here's this guy and this guy it's it's not it's it's not for me anymore no yeah no i get that and and i think part of it is you have to kind of almost curate the algorithm to yourself to a degree i mean you can never control it completely because it is designed to do to just show what they think you want to see and they may not have the same view of what you want to see as you do but I have. I, I think if you follow a lot of, of people and you also follow a lot of similar narrow topics, that tends to help, I think, threads. I don't know. I mean, I, I shouldn't, you know, I'm speculating really because I don't know how these things work any better than I suppose anybody else does, which is really part mm-hmm. of the problem. I mean, why am I getting, you know, a nice stream of, beautiful photographs of Europe and retro video games and someone else is getting hate speech. I don't know. I mean, you know what? I mean, I, I have no idea and it's, it shouldn't be that way, but yeah. And the people, the people at threads have don't know any better than we do. Right. Not really. Probably not. in the grand scheme yeah, of things. They don't true. know. And, and so I guess if they don't know if the algorithm isn't, is, is that imprecise, then the thing is they just need lots of humans to content moderate and respond to reports and things, which you know, I mean, that's what all the big sites do. And Facebook has certainly got the money and the and the people to do that. Um, and, you know, it'd be best if it wasn't really like allowed on there to begin with, if somehow they cut it off at the pass. But, uh, you know, they, they need to do a good job, obviously, taking it down. But content moderation is just one aspect of, of, of why I think this stuff is having a resurgence. It's not just because Twitter became an awful place. I mean, tr- Twitter ab- absolutely did become an awful place. But I also feel like the other side of Twitter was that it, it, it I think the decline of Twitter showed a lot of people that they didn't control their, their stuff. And now they've been spent, they maybe spent, you know, five years posting some of their, their hottest takes and their best jokes uh, and their coolest memes on Twitter and now, because of the changes, they're le- they, you know they they either they probably didn't initially want to leave, but ultimately did leave because of the changes. And now they've kind of like lost all that content behind. And why why do that again, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know me. I'm 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 a big I'm a big digital hoarder as it is. <laughs> so am uh, I. I mean, we've you know we both I think we spoke about it a few episodes back. Um, but it's also not easy to do that you know to to go okay you've got twitter that's great and you can go download your archive every now and again you know when it wasn't terrible um but that's not you know if the site shut down tomorrow anyone who's doing like a manual backup and that kind of thing like you're not going to get that right um so i think you're right i think people are are seeing that it's like you know what maybe you shouldn't be essentially just working for twitter to make their service better um or you know or facebook or or whatever um without getting any value out of it you know for me or for whoever the user is right right well and you know what i think is really neat i mean as somebody who helps run a website is that now there's a lot more interesting websites to link to i mean it it was pretty thin there for a while you know and mm-hmm. because a lot of people who are now starting up their own blogs were just posting that stuff into the ether and I don't know, I was never a huge fan of, you know, reposting Twitter stuff on the website. And a lot of those embeds are all dead now anyway. 
when we did do it, when we did do it. Although, you know, this is a little Twitter trick I did learn because I, I was thinking about embedding. I, I basically won't embed Twitter anymore unless it's like the only source for something that is, you know. And, I, and the other day I went and I embedded a tweet from Tim Cook about the, how the Vision Pro was being made. You know, there was like a video of machines making it. And that, the first place it showed up was on Twitter. And so I had an x.com link and I tried to embed it and it didn't work. So I changed the x to Twitter and it totally worked, which is ridiculous. I don't know how broken that place is that that's the case. And then as soon as the video showed up on YouTube, I took, it, I took down the, the tweet embed and put in the YouTube one. But, you know, I mean, to a degree... YouTube's no better because I can tell you we have a lot of dead YouTube links on our on our site too because stuff just disappears off YouTube too. But um, video, I guess, is a whole other story just because it's so expensive to host. But oh yeah, you know. But but still, I think it it's really nice having this menagerie of diverse blogs out there now that I think is growing quite a bit and with interesting ideas and viewpoints that are a little more you know they're they've they've gone beyond 240 characters or whatever they're actually a little more thoughtful and in depth and more worth linking to now instead of just as a tweet which i think is pretty cool and i know especially since you've been doing the um you've been doing your you've got you've got quite a long blog roll on your site now and a bunch of other projects that link to a bunch of other blogs which is i mean it's been a great resource i've been just kind of like combing through some of that stuff and finding new new people to follow oh yeah it really has been great i mean because i feel like if i you know i remember say a year ago or two years ago when i was using rss but you know not really i feel like you'd tell somebody to get rss and go oh, yeah you know subscribe to the verge you know subscribe to mac stories subscribe to you know a whole collection of quote-unquote news sites you know right. these are you know they, these these aren't like an individual person's thoughts um you know you've got the, the likes of john gruber and jason cocky but there wasn't like you couldn't point to loads of people who would do it, who were blogging consistently and saying, "Oh yeah, they're going to post interesting things." Whereas now, I mean, every single day I must have you know, hundreds of posts coming in from a whole, just a complete spread of people in different countries and different backgrounds. And mm-hmm. you know, there's photography, there's you know, weird artwork that people are doing. There's poems like the. People are just posting just anything. They just want to just just post the things they're interested in. And it's fantastic. Like I love just seeing like you're great. If you want to, there's a guy um, I follow who he draws artwork only in Apple Notes with the drawing tools. I'll see if I can find the link for that. Hmm, interesting. Um, and just once a day in my RSS feed, there's a little drawing that he's done in Apple Notes, and it's got the yellow background and all of that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. If that's what you're into, if that's what you want to do, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it is. I think it's like it's just more people doing it more consistently because without without Twitter siphoning off all that creativity, it there it ha- it's getting an outlet in a place where those people control it and they own it and and it's more really more permanent when you get to it. I mean, I think that that's what's what I think is cool about it. I mean, nothing on the internet is truly permanent, but it's at least in the control of the people who are paying the hosting fees, whether their website is up or down. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, to, to one of the other things that, you know, we're talking about the algorithms and you mentioned Twitter and, you know, mentioned John Gruber as an example. John Gruber's posts, whether you were following him or not, at least, you know, from the Daring Fireball account, 
the chances are you were going to see those because people would, you know, they'd retweet them. That's fair enough. People are interested in them. But because they were being retweeted, the algorithm would show them to more people. And then it gets retweeted. Because I don't feel like I ever really remember seeing a lot of personal blog posts, you know, just individuals who I'd not heard from, you know, ever or or very rarely. Like it was always the same sort of handful of sites that you were seeing posts being retweeted from. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's it's now I think, at least for me, I, I had kind of split my news reading between RSS and finding links on Twitter for a while. But I've gone definitely back more towards RSS at this point, which, you know, I've always... I never went away. I never stopped using it. It's just that there were things I skipped over in RSS because I'd already seen them on social media somewhere. And that's still true because I do follow a number of publications on Mastodon. I just think it's kind of a, it's a, a useful way to find stuff that's most timely. And I wouldn't say it's like Mastodon's by no means as real time as Twitter ever was, but that's okay. I mean, most stuff that doesn't really matter. Once in a while, I feel that as like, a downside to Mastodon, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's totally okay. I mean, there's just little things for me. Like it used to be like when there was a press release from Apple, I would have an alert set, a notification set for that in Twitter. And Twitter was so fast. It was, it would show up on Twitter before it would actually load in the page sometimes on Apple's website. Whereas that's just not going to happen on ActivityPub. I mean, not that Apple is posting its press releases on Mastodon, but, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, like a, an Apple Live event is a good example where things are just not coming through, you know, as quickly as they used to on Twitter when we were all posting as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and like, we'll do some stuff. Like, we'll post some article at Mac Stories and and we'll tell... I don't know. I'll tell somebody about it and they'll say, oh, I haven't seen it on Mastodon yet. And it's just, it just takes a while. I mean, when I say it takes a while, it might take five or 10 minutes. It's not like a, it's not like half a day or something like that, but, but it is, it is slower, but there's something, you know, sometimes speed is good, but most of the time it's not, I think. And so it's probably on balance, a better thing that it's slower than, than uh, some of the things that came before it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, it... And, and I guess like the the last sort of bit that I mentioned in in this this article that oh this you know this post that I wrote was just mm-hmm. um, like just pointing people to you know it's easy for me to say or or you or ever just go oh you should make a website and do these things like okay but share links like tell people where they can right, go to right, actually right. do this because it's easy for me I'm a developer easy quote unquote I'm a developer I know what I'm doing like I I, I know what software is available but not everyone's a developer like people want the ease you know you want to just sign up and like start posting stuff and right maybe you want to mess around with the theme or the css or whatever but you don't necessarily want to set up a server and a build system and all of this kind of stuff right so like just sharing links is just so so useful and like loads more people are doing even just this week like a bunch of people are like setting up like weekly oh i'm going to post all the links that i found and um yeah, it's it's been great. Yeah, yeah, it's very it is very good, and I think that that is a good that is an important thing to do is to give people like point people in the right direction because you know everybody is a little different in terms of what they're looking for. Some people just want to set up you know like a a portfolio single page site that's like you know something like card dot com with an extra R in it. I think 
which is what I have my my website on, which is just like almost like a little mini resume page because I mean mm-hmm. the actual writing goes on Mac stories, but you know that kind of site or maybe they want. I don't know. You're more familiar with more of these different options than I am, but there's a lot of them that run the gamut from pretty inexpensive on up to something a lot more customizable and and unique. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's loads of. I mean, in my this particular blog post that we're talking about, I listed seven. Right. I have I have a note in my Obsidian um, database that has like another ten that I've oh, seen wow. in the past like two weeks. Um, you know, either these are popping up or I'm hearing about them and that every single one's like got something, you know, slightly different about it or, you know, it's kind of targeted to a different kind of person. But, um, yeah, I'm going to post those somewhere at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options for, you know, just getting a website up and just posting about whatever it is you're interested in. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I highly recommend everybody read Rob's post, which is called the web is fantastic from around the holidays season, because it was, I, I enjoyed reading it because it was like a lot of sites that I hadn't heard of before. And I was just checking them out and, and seeing what, what all the options are, because it's been a little while since I think a lot of us have even considered this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. So I want to finish with a little vision pro talk. Uh, Rob, I know that you're not super hyped about the Vision Pro. At least that's my sense. Is that is that true? The, 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 oh, I, I, let me. I'll do. You know, let me get my opening statement okay. out. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> just, to, just, I feel like I think I feel the same about the Vision Pro as I personally do about the iPad. Uh huh. In that, I I just don't see. I, I can't see my I can't see a use case for me. Right. That doesn't mean, you know, it's not. I'm not saying you're an idiot for buying one or you know this kind of thing. I it it, it really just is like it, it just doesn't feel like a product that I'm ever gonna. I mean, certainly not at the price point as well. I mean that that is obviously a big oh, thing. Oh yeah, it's a huge thing for most people. I think. I mean, look, I I wouldn't. I I'm excited about it and I would be interested in it regardless of what I do for a living. On the other hand, I don't think I would have bought one if I wasn't writing about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I feel like the other part of it is I can't buy one. You know, even if I wanted to buy one, I can't. You know, it's US only. Right, and right. I, I, don't think they've do, I don't think they've done a US only product launch since what? The iPhone? Yeah. I, I can't. And even the iPhone wasn't very long. Although there's, I think there's at least rumors that the Vision Pro will be coming to some, you know, the, coming to the UK and some other European countries pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. I, there are some things that I, I look at and I'm like, oh, that does seem cool. You know, like some of the, the stuff that Disney plus is right. doing where you can like watch it in different environments. And I've seen a few different apps that look kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting product, but I just know that this is not something that even if I had one, even if you said, do you know what, Rob, I've ordered you one, I'm going to send you one. I just don't think I'd get anywhere near the use out of it that I think Apple expects people to or what I would need to to justify the kind of price that it is well and I I worry about that for myself too especially when I you know we went through and surveyed a bunch of popular apps at Mac stories about what is going to be available on day one and a lot of big companies are sitting this out and I totally get it I mean you're looking at an incredibly small user base so I mean what's the point of 
allocating all those resources to creating apps, other than the fact I think it is worth noting that it's a, a small user base that has a demonstrably large amount of money. <laughs> Not anymore, they Well, don't. true, true. But maybe they can still afford a $5 app or a $10 app or something. But but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it'll be a... I'm not surprised they're sitting out. There are a lot of indies coming in. I do feel like, and I talked about this a little bit in Club Mac Stories last week, I do feel like this is a little bit like the iPhone where we don't know what it's for yet. We do and we don't. You know, we knew that the iPhone was going to mm-hmm. be a phone. And they really emphasized that it was going to be a really good phone. And it is a good phone. And it was a better phone than most of the mobile phones that were out at the time. Yet, it's not really the most important thing about the iPhone. I mean, I think the fact, you know, the having a, web, a full web browser in your pocket and apps, you know, a little <laughs> mini computer was way more important. But, it, but the phone was relatable because that's what people had at the time. And I think that this is a little bit like that where I feel like some of the entertainment stuff is going to be a better experience than maybe watching a movie on your TV. On the other hand, though, a lot of people watch movies with their families or their friends or whatever. And are you really going to all sit around and watch the same movie simultaneously and share play it? No, probably not. Uh, but so, so as a result, I really feel like the, the thing that might make this a bigger deal in the long term is more the general computing stuff, the, the productivity type use case use cases and you know it'll it's gonna this is gonna be a super super slow burn i think i think it's gonna take many many years before this is mainstream i would not be surprised if it was five years at least before this is anywhere a a blip on apple's financials but got to start somewhere and i think it's kind of cool oh uh, absolutely i mean to, to put this in context, like I, I mentioned to my wife, Jess, I said, oh, you've heard about Apple's headset, right? And and she looked at me like I'd spoken to her in a different language. Like she, <laughs> it, it had not even crossed her radar that this was a product that existed. Yeah. Um, she, she'd heard nothing about it. And, and, you know, again, it is US only, so that's fair right. enough. But usually, you know, the iPhone, the iPad, even Apple Watch stuff, yeah. even the home, even the HomePod stuff would... Right would sweep across people's radars even if they're not directly interested in it this was just a complete blank yeah. Yeah. Um, jennifer's not impressed by it at all she says she goes oh it just looks like all those other ones that people put on their heads <laughs> which i'm sure <laughs> apple's designers would be thrilled to learn but uh but yeah i mean the one thing that i did over the holidays which was kind of fun was that one of my kids uh who's a developer built me a little app for my birthday and the app allowed me to take spatial video from my iPhone 15 Pro Max and it converted it into a format that could be viewed on the X-Real Air glasses, which was kind of a neat way to to preview what it's going to be like a little bit. Um, I don't think the effect was as dramatic. I mean, it's very not nearly as designed, but it was kind of neat to see the handful of videos that I've taken so far with my phone and see them in a bit of 3D. Because basically, you know, the way it works is those HEVC files have two streams in them, two video streams in them. And so what all he really was doing was separating the two streams, offsetting them, one for the left eye, one for the right eye, and feeding the different ones to each eye, uh, which which is essentially how the Vision Pro works, although Apple's doing fancier stuff than just doing it that way. But, you know, it's... 
uh, it was kind of neat to be able to get a feel for it. I've been trying to get a feel for this stuff for a while. I think like one of the, the best take, there's been a lot of takes about the Vision Pro. And I think the best take I've seen is was from Jason Snell and Upgrade a while back, a couple of weeks ago, I think, where he likened it to when people would go out and spend two or $3,000 on a personal computer in the 80s, bring it home to their family, and everybody would turn <laughs> it on. They'd see the blinking cursor. And the next question was, now what? What is it? You know, what do we do with this thing? And that's what I think is most exciting about it is that we don't really know until a lot of inter- a lot of creative people go at it and see what it's capable of. And that's that'll be that'll be fun. I hope it is. As much as I do think it's going to be cool to sit on Tatooine and watch a movie or, you know, pet a dinosaur, I hope it becomes more than that, which, you know, entertainment's great and it should be a part of everybody's life and I think this will be one of the best entertainment experiences around, but I do hope it, it goes a little deeper than that. It's relatively quickly. Oh, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I felt like this was what the iPad was like at the beginning, though, to some extent. It was, oh, yeah, here's this app to read the New York Times, and you can, you know, watch Netflix. I don't even know, was Netflix around? I can't remember. But, you know what I mean? Like, it, it was a consumption. You know, it was just like, oh, there's a bunch of apps. You can look at stuff. And um, for some people, it still see, is, right? Which is okay. Mm, oh, absolutely. Which is okay, but I think for $3,500, you would hope that it does a little bit more than that, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that is the more or less the same price as my laptop. Right. And, you know, if I had both of them with me for a month, for a year, whatever, I'm going to get way more use out of my, my laptop. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where it goes. And if somebody buys one that I, that I you know, am physically close to, I definitely want to have a try of it because, you know, <laughs> I want to see what it's like. Yep, yep. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I like you say. I think we we are going to have to wait a year, two, maybe three years before we really see what this is like when it is mainstream, right? And, and quote unquote mainstream for headsets at least. Um, and, and yeah, what what people are actually going to want to use this for? Are they going to want to work from it for five hours, for eight hours? Is that going to be appropriate? Is that going to be something people want to do? You know, who knows? Well, I'm going to be, I for one, I'm going to be jacking into the matrix because I have a list of 60 apps to cover on Mac stories. Uh, oh boy, you're going to be busy. Yeah, I'm not going to be covering all of them, but, uh, but yeah, we've got a long <laughs> list. We're going to be going at it pretty hard for a while. And I have two boxes coming to my house because Federico's is coming to my house and then I have to ship it to him. And based on the, I don't know, the, the rumors about the size of the box, it's going to be a hefty shipping fee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Size and weight, I think, are it's pretty, pretty hefty. So, anyway. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'll be really interested to hear some follow up on that <laughs> <All right>. at <laughs> some point. <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, good conversation. Yeah, very good. We'll, uh, and we'll be back in two weeks right. and we'll, we'll do it all over again. Sounds good. Talk to you later.